Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Die Living Podcast. I'm going to grip your flesh. Mmm. Do you mean eat it? I don't understand what's about to happen right now. <laughs> All right. Tonight's topic is sociopathic, almost said psychopathic, sociopathic tendencies in Wall Street and the mill or soft? Yeah, military, military specifically the special operations community. Yes. We played that clip from um, American Psycho because... The story is about a completely self-absorbed guy who demonstrates a lot of sociopathic. Well, he's psychopathic. He's yeah. The the movie's title isn't necessarily a reflection of his behavior. He's amazing, by the way. <laughs> See, and this is what we're Great gonna abs. this is what we're gonna talk about. Great abs. Like, amazing hair, by the way. Yeah. My crunches. I can do a thousand now. <laughs> I have to do my crunches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while this podcast is going on, I'll be returning videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of shitty American psychos. I love that I say that quote a lot of the times and no one ever gets it. No one ever gets it. The, the point is that there's a whole variety of behaviors. Well, let's talk about them. Let's not distill it down too quickly. Okay. I would say those those behaviors that appear to be sociopathic, sociopathic tendencies, if you will, are completely necessary in both of those jobs. I don't discount that at all. It's a high social reward for demonstrating character traits that would be roundly rejected in most of the general population. Yeah, well, you can't just stick us into normal society. Brokers and soft guys always say things like, well, I was born to do this, or I finally found my brotherhood. It's because they're surrounded by other people who are just like I finally found my brotherhood. Having worked on Wall Street for (laughs) 17 years, I can guarantee you that I've never heard that said before. I don't think that (laughs) What a bunch of gays. Ever been said before. They definitely will make fun of the gays. I do know that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of tendencies, I think, uh, or tendencies. A lot of similarities. They're behavior traits, man. Gays and soft. They're they're undeniable behavioral traits. It's not like we're saying tendencies as though, like. No, no, no. They're uh, they're not undeniable traits because not uh, not all soft guys, and I'm sure not all Wall Street guys, exhibit those traits. Well, I'm not. Like you've got the rando Bible Belt in like goody two shoes dudes. Yeah, but how long do those guys last? Well, Well, yeah, but some of the studies have clearly grouped people into two different categories. Right. Um, You know, I mean, medical studies that study, like, cortisol levels and those types of things, they really show, you know, from a biologic perspective, are you exhibiting those, you know, types of behaviors or not? Um, And I think, you know, really, it's one of those things that comes down to 
how you deal with risk and how you decide to act in risk. And it's like, there's the two categories of people, <clears throat> the people that just, you know, that uh, exhibit the sociopathic tendencies or the people that deal with risk really well and are not at all. I think they calculate all, risk really well. Well, but they also, they aren't upset by it. You know, so right. one of the, one of the uh, Do you think that the they're studies, not upset by the risk or they're not upset by the potential fallout of the risk? Well, I mean... Yeah. And uh, most most we, normal people see a situation that would involve a manipulative tactic and they choose not to do it because they don't want to hurt another person. Yeah, but one and of the... So, says, eh. One of the studies... <laughs> <laughs> the juice is worth the squeeze, bro. One of the studies was uh, they took cortisol readings from... Uh, special forces guys right before they jumped out of an airplane, right? So they took all these, every guy lined up to go out of the airplane, like blood test or whatever, right before you go. And basically what they found was that some people were literally not stressed about it at all. And obviously everyone's going to jump, but it was a question of half of these guys are basically in their mind saying, all right, you know, my heart's pumping, but I know I'm going to do this anyway, and I've been trained to do it. And the other half, like, it's just another fucking thing they're doing. They could be writing an email or whatever. Their body's not reacting to the stress. So, they're about to fall they, out of the airplane. Tell how long they've been doing that. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Compared to their stress level. So, like, a guy who's been doing it 20 years yeah. compared to a guy who's been doing it. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. a yeah. That, That's not a good indicator because you're talking about, like, hey, man, NASCAR drivers yeah. don't necessarily indicate those yeah. same things. I mean, they are high risk. Well, and then what about the dudes that, like, for lack of a better term, would, like, get off on that? On right. being adrenaline yeah. right? Well, like, I mean, those are also the people there's that, that thing where if you experience adrenaline so much. Yeah, cortisol saturation. Yeah, yeah. You pretty much you're in adrenal fatigue. You've got to uh, the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. true. I, Which brings us. I don't to have the point. article in front of me, so I can't speak to kind of all the control variables. Um, but this was a study the Army commissioned. So, I mean, I firmly believe that the reason we psych board guys in Army SF is to identify character traits and behaviors that may be frowned upon in society but can be used to the positive well it's a hundred percent so the the guy that you are going to hand a rifle and bag of money and be like hey you and your buddy are going to go to this place and do some stuff and we're not even really sure what you're going to do but let us know how it goes once you get done that's not a normal dude no true story i mean like, not at all and, no. and at its core the knowing and that dude being okay with them knowing, right? Literally having no clue what's around the corner, and being like, Man, especially like out. Cold War soft, Cold War SF in particular is a really good example of like, hey, we're gonna give you a bag of money and put you in a plane. We're gonna have you parachute behind enemy lines, where you're gonna build a relationship with people whose language you don't speak, and we're encouraging you to marry a local girl, even though you're probably already married, <laughs> and then live in a yurt for seven years until we somebody comes <clears throat> to get you. It's that like, happened? That's, I mean, that's, that's the open-ended... That's the open-ended... <laughs> that is the open-ended implication that, that comes is, with. That is what Doug is thinking. I don't know that they ever said, go live in a yurt for seven years. Make do. We'll come and get you. <laughs> Make do, man. It happens. Doug's world. Doug's world. Like, damn, they're going to let me marry a local girl? He's like, shit. Pick me up in seven months? I should get out of jail free. Seven seven years, man. It's a good call. You know, <laughs> right around the itch. And somebody yeah, comes yeah. in and is like, come home. <laughs> but 
that is the sociopathic behavior we were talking about earlier. We were talking about families and like how there's a lot of guys in the soft community that like, man, they love their families, they love their kids or whatever, but the soft community and then what I've seen of Wall Street is everything's very pragmatic as well. Like yeah. if there's an issue yeah. and there's a solution, all right, like yeah. there's the issue, there's a solution, let's do this, you know? And so in the... That's true for the successful guys. The successful, well, yeah, yeah. yeah Same sure. with us. I think I think all successful. Like if you go that route and you're successful, you are gonna have that happen to you. But we're sitting around a table measuring, not worrying about the fallout of your um, relationships and, just, and other oh, people. Of your life behind you. Yeah, like hey, guess what? I'm the best fucking green beret that has ever walked the face of the earth. Everyone worships me, except that when I retire, I'm gonna for everything you did. I'm gonna leave the office. I'm gonna take my card, my access card. I'm gonna get in a beat up Toyota Tercel. It's the only car I can afford because of four divorces. I'm going to drive to my one-bedroom apartment, and I'm going to be like, well, what's next? Because my kids hate me, and my four wives are, like, remarried to dudes that actually respect them and try to, like, have a relationship. And don't treat them like a piece of meat. <laughs> Here's well, a bag of dirty laundry and a hard dick. Take care of both, and I'm back out the door tomorrow. Here's the flip side of that coin, though, is you can use those sociopathic tendencies and compartmentalize everything out and use them for... Successful the family awesome. life, exactly. totally true yes, yes, for the yes. work life. Totally true. You can just compartmentalize it so that you're truly living in that moment or in, in that. I think that you know, like we've talked about this before, is that you know whether you come home from you know deployment or some crazy training or friend or whoever your significant other is like. You don't. You won't believe what fucking so and so said to me today in the cubicle over, over the fucking chick at the grocery store at the checkout line. Fucking wouldn't take my coupon or some shit like that. In your mind, you're like, dude, I can't believe you're fucking bothering me with this. And <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, you gotta be able to, when you leave, take that switch and go yeah, from leaving yeah. that shit well, at work. Yeah, and to understanding understanding where to put the stress resistant. Talk about. I just lost a million dollars in the stock market. That stresses you the fuck out completely. And all of a sudden, you go home to your wife. Your wife now is stressed out because someone told her at the, of the resistance of stress. That to you is here. To her, that's on top of a pedestal. So I think it's just what it comes down to the adaptability we were talking about. With. Sure. I think no, that's, that's your exposure levels too in dealing with stressful situations and adapted and overcome them. Yeah, but part of, easier. part of it's your compassion for other people. Like oh, George sure. was just saying... You know, it's relative. Yeah. Someone else who hasn't had as a 1 to 10 for you is a 1. That might be a 10 for them. Yeah. You know, and I, I also think that, you know, not to change subjects too much, you know, it's one of the things that we see, or at least I feel like I hear often from guys that are using their GI Bill to go back to college, bitching about the college students that they're surrounded with right. and how it's like, hey, you know, these guys are complaining about all this fucking shit that to me is like a one on the scale but to them is a fucking 10 i'm not trying to justify that but it does come back to you know where does that fall on understanding and compassion in terms of being able to say well how do we is your one or vice versa right and instead of just being like fuck that guy he's a pussy well i think like, you realize the value in whatever they care about and have it. About I'm going to read you a list of characteristics of a sociopath because we jumped right into this, right? And yeah. We didn't really discuss it. So, like, things that, that characterize a sociopath are a lack of empathy, uh, cold calculating nature, shallow emotions, narcissism. Uh, for those of you who don't understand what narcissism is, it's uh, 
Uh, <clears throat> a love of oneself, my me. Yeah. Doug, 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 I, have, I have mild narcissistic There's a grandiose self-image, uh, and you're charming. Uh, narcissist. I mean, a narcissistic sociopath has a high IQ. Uh, they're very manipulative. They're secretive. They're sexually deviant. Um, they're sensitive to criticism. They're paranoid. I mean, like this is a. Everybody at the table is like, you're really Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, Thanks for reading me, for me bro. Despotic. Mine's my, a high IQ for me. Despotic. Despite authoritarian lawfulness, like despite popular belief, a sociopath is not likely to be a problem to the law in later life, but will seek to find loopholes, right? I mean, like, That's right. low tolerance for boredom. Um, impulsive behavior, risk-taking behavior, right? Compulsive lying. In, in order to like compartmentalize, um, I mean, we're literally talking about. I mean, so I understand that if you're a woman looking to marry a guy, this list of behaviors is like ah danger. Don't want to be with any of these things, right? But when you're looking for a dude to like do what we do, every one of these characters is the kind of thing that you have to do to be good at your job. Well, you almost, so we've, we've talked about like the, uh, the idea that soft guys are invincible and infallible, which has been perpetuated by so many people. And, you know, that goes away the first time you have a bad mission and lose friends or whatever. But I, a lot of guys don't see it. A lot of guys yeah, don't, don't see it. Right. Yeah, a lot of guys but don't you, see it at all. You Self-awareness almost need it? that. You almost need that whole, like, I'm invincible to go do this job. Agreed. I mean, dude, we to talked about this extent. before. To, like, to a certain dude, extent, we, you have to There's a mindset in software, like, hey, man, I got there's, Let's go. there's a helicopter, and there's fucking 12 dudes on this helicopter, and the helicopter's going on a mission that has a 99% chance of failure, right? And you and two other dudes are standing on the flight line, and they're like, hey, man, come with us. If you come with us, it's like a 97% chance of failure. So you get you like you charge off and you get on the helicopter and as the helicopter takes off and you look out the back ramp at the two dudes that were like what the fuck who would go on that mission you like feel sorry for those dudes you're like what a bunch of pussies you know what I mean like right. dude two percent better chance we're gonna kick their ass you know like, <laughs> that's the kind of mindset we have yeah no well and to even go into the program so like think about every soft selection you're told from day one. Hey, odds are you ain't going to make it, bud. Like, you're told from day one, you're probably going to fail. And you're like, fuck you, watch this. Well, and they make up crazy attrition numbers just to fuck with your head, too. Like, hey, only 10% of guys make it through this. And you're like, really? Nice. Damn. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hope you die in a fire. <laughs> That's valid. No, but but seriously, you're, you're told from day one, or, or day one in your career, Going into special operations, you're told, hey, you're not going to make it. You're going to be a failure. And you're like, fuck you. Hold my beer. Yeah. I'm going. And I'm gonna yeah, watch this. I'm sure it's the same for Wall Street. How many brokers or traders are they like, hey, dude, like, you're probably not going to be here in two weeks. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a, a saying in the industry, many are called, few are chosen. Yep. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you don't see a lot of old guys. It's like looking... Well, that's because you make a shitload of money and retire early. <laughs> <laughs> There's no old guys because they're all retired. I think that does exactly what it's meant to do, though, right? Like, oh, yeah. you're, not, you're never going to, you know, finish the program. So I think if you just tell them that and they believe it. Talk louder, motherfucker. Yeah, speak up a little bit. <laughs> I don't want this. Like, 
I'll just swallow the mic. <laughs> get right up on there. Just swallow it. Give me this mic. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> the black one. Yeah. Can we like hollow out, hollow out a phallus and put it on there just so it's like easier to get the message? <laughs> so what I was trying to say before everyone fucking interrupted me. Swallow the mic. Oh. No, so I think that does exactly what it's meant to do, though. Like, that whole mental breakdown of, like, hey, you're never going to cut it. You know, the odds are against you. And if people are like, you know what? I'm never going to make it. The odds are against me. And they're that mentally weak. They don't know, you know, they can't self-reflect. They don't know themselves that well. And then they self-select. Then it's like, okay, cool, because I don't want that dude, like, with me. Like, you know what? I quit. Like, so I think it does exactly what it's supposed to do because then it weeds out those that don't believe in themselves. Well, and that's the simplest way to cut, you know, those that aren't going to make it to begin with. I mean, they, they, well, that's the first and biggest key to selection is like showing up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I know. I remember multiple times as an instructor at the schoolhouse for BRC. You know, you, you get these fifty guys that show up at first. And they're the fifty guys are a bunch of just everyone's just all over the place. And as you start weeding dudes out, start weeding dudes out, like you mentioned, that group of dudes just become that much more tired, that much more stronger mentally. And they're like, I didn't want to do, I'm not going to do that because I saw exactly what happened to him, and it broke him down mentally. And I can't let that happen to me because I continue on, continue finishing this course. Well, there's definitely something we said for like the mental strength that we all share, right? But like, you know, in you teaching this course, it was like water confidence, right? In full, right? Water confidence. And I don't think it's so much as like, you know, the infant guys running around thinking they're invincible, right? I think that's just the what happens when it gets all glamorized. I think it's just just pure confidence, right? And like in your abilities and then the dude next to you. Like that that's it, like trust, confidence, whatever. I don't think it's, it's so much maybe in my mind. When you go to Afghanistan I, or Iraq though, like my God, dude, like leave Iraq out for now. We'll just say like in recent yeah. memory, Afghanistan with like super high incidence of casualties among soft guys with IEDs. There's not a single dude that walks out of the wire in the morning to go on a foot patrol in RC South that thinks, hey man, today's my day. I'm going to step on a fucking IED. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's never going to happen to you until it does. Yeah. And then in to your me, mind, you're invincible. Yeah. Right? Like, not so really. I want to go on that because I'm going to, I used to wake up every morning on deployments thinking, am I going to go to bed tonight? And I just thought I was, I was like, Hey man, I'm already dead. Like, right. Every day I'm already dead. Well, but like, but that, well, so we, we would all joke about it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a coping mechanism in yeah. reality. But, yep. uh, it's yeah. a new coping mechanism. Yeah. But I think that it's funny. Like when Nick says, you know, Hey guys, like I just accomplishes its goal. I agree wholeheartedly, which I think oh, it, sure. it leads right back into what we were talking about, which is that finding those characteristics and, and, moving those guys along away from the herd of sheep yeah. and say, hey, these are the dudes that are sociopathic innate. Like, they have sociopathic tendencies. Maybe they're not full-blown narcissistic sociopaths, but they have these tendencies. Right. They're the right they're people for this job. job. You know what I mean? And then also, too, what he, what he explained there, it also forms that. That creates it. Some people might not have it in them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's, it just creates it. Well, there's that saying of like, you never rise to the occasion, you revert to your level of training, whatever that bullshit quote is. Fall which, to the level of your yeah, training. It's it's kind of true, but it's also not true because in order to grow, you have to be challenged. And to be challenged, you have to experience you have to something fail. you never did. Yeah. You don't have to fail, but it helps. How do we learn? How do we learn? Well, you feel, you learn more from failure, but you don't have to fail. You get wisdom from... from uh, <laughs> experience and you get experience by fucking things up or if you're really smart <laughs> you can watch your buddies fuck shit up yes, yes. clearly exactly. but, but, but awareness 
We're saying, I mean, I don't know many guys that are that smart. There's a few, but like more often than not, the guy who don't fucks say, up. I'm not that smart. No, no, I'm not. Dude, I'm seriously not. I I've, learned, know. I've learned from mistake <laughs> after mistake after mistake, but most of that's attributable to the fact that when I see one of my buddies screwing something up, I'm like, that would never happen to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you do the exact yeah, same. Like, that guy was slow and stupid. I have the ability to avoid all consequences. I'm a surprise. Yeah, hey man, uh, law doesn't matter to me. I've got a loophole. You know, like, <laughs> it's true though. I mean, like, how many brokers get screwed up over, like, kind of like shady trades that make them a lot of money that they think they can get away with? Honestly, not that many because it's really hard to prove <laughs> that shit most of the time. See? He just um. said because it's hard to prove. <laughs> Insider trading, what's that? Put it on paper, motherfucker. Well, I think the other part is that there is, I mean, speaking of that specifically without going too far down this rabbit hole, there's not a, there's really no reason for you to want to, like, if you see shady shit, what's your incentive to report it? Like, you're bringing attention, unwanted attention on yourself, right? And it's like, who knows what little thing you may have fucked up. Hell yeah. And, you know, I don't I don't want some dude so fucking like, like reading Christ through my said, shit and finding something I'm not aware of. Sin, cast the first stone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's levels of wrongdoing, I would say, as well, right? Yeah, So certainly. I mean, but I guess, I guess the point that I'm making, I mean, that happens in soft, too. Like, you don't have a lot of guys, even if a guy's uncomfortable with the moral decisions other people are making on the team, the odds, like, there's a, it's ingrained in the team environment to not put your buddy on blast. You can well, do I, internal I discipline. It's a code of honor. Yeah. In a good team, it's self-control. Like, guys, you regulate it internally, but you right. certainly don't put it out on Front Street. No. And you don't... There was actually an article recently about the, the, basically the article saying how shitty that is. Is it about the, the crimes like of Steel Team 6? Yeah. <laughs> that was a great article. It was a good article. <laughs> but some of the shit that was in it that they're like, I can't believe they would do this. Like, internally regula- regulating and having their own moral code. I'm like, that's... I mean... That's what it is. Weren't we, like, weren't we talking about that just yesterday with the... Uh, oh, with the training day. Yeah, the... Uh, what was that? You remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, Ra- yeah. The Rampart crash scandal. Yeah. Yeah, LA. yeah. But no, I mean, even on our trading desk, I mean, I worked in a market that was completely unregulated for, the, you know, most of my career. That and, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so there weren't rules. I mean, there were no, like, official rules to a lot of the things in the market. And... You know, there was a system of etiquette for the market participants, and there was a system of etiquette for the guys on my desk as far as how we did things. And, right. And, you know, if you didn't respect that, you were kind of cast out from the team, right? Yeah, you had to be so, the dude role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't fuck the dudes over that you sit next to you every day, all day long, right. or you're not going to last very long. Once a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Look, man, I didn't know that rat fucking MREs was against the rules, all right? No, that, I learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that you learn very quickly, or, sh- or should. In theory, you learn very quickly and soft is that like, be a good dude is rule number one. And if you're not going to follow rule number one, you're going to get pushed either out of the community entirely or out of a billet that matters. Like, all right, let's just get this guy. Hey, man, out you watch you guys bounce around from team to team a lot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But I think... Going back to the topic, you know, the question is, <clears throat> how do you deal with that? How do you use the pros and the cons if you are someone who exhibits those personality traits 
to be not only successful in your career, but successful in life in general, right? Well, well I think so, so, success and stability are kind of two mm, different things that a sure. lot of people chase and are often mutually exclusive. How do you make, and like Aaron's saying, right, it's like how do you segue from one thing, so like it's just hypothetically say that you're a textbook narcissistic sociopath who makes a 20-year career in the military and is very successful in, in special operations, right? Right. And you leave the military and you realize that all of the characteristics that you you were rewarded for in society, uh, in the society you were in before, a closed society, are now frowned upon in the civilian world. And I think that one thing that helps us is that because society views the military in a positive light, they see a lot of our like behavior as kind of like impish and like, or stampish, not impish. You know, like it's, it's funny, it's adventurous, that guy's eternally young, I got it. But I still think guys have a hard time adjusting to normal life and they blame it on you know, PTSD and whatever else. But I think that those guys, if they hadn't found the niche that they were in in special operations, would have had a hard time in any job that wasn't geared towards their strengths. So you have to figure out like, hey, maybe one of the most valuable skills that you can develop while you're in special operations is self-awareness mm-hmm. and yeah. the ability yeah. to like to adjust to your operational environment, which right. is one of the soft imperatives. It is. Um, and I think that... And you don't identify yourself exactly. Yeah. Say, hey, man, like me, I'm telling you, when I was a total, total asshole, selfish fuck up for a long time in, in soft, and a lot of guys told me. And in life. Yeah, well, and in life. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, my, my almost divorce with my wife when we were separated was the one thing that forced me to step back. Like, I was going to lose something that was very valuable to me. And at that time, it was mostly access to my kids because, you know, like, as much as I love my wife now, I did not love her that much then. <laughs> and so, like, I was forced to become more self-aware, look into myself and be like, holy shit, there's a lot of things I've been doing for the last, like, 30-some-odd years of my life that are, like, really cancerous and damaging and I have to stop doing these things, or I have to adjust right. them to a different to a different level yeah. in certain arenas. I know, like for me, for instance, uh, when I got out of the military, like I was like, all right, hey, what am I gonna do? As I wasn't too sure, like what I wanted to do. I, I had plans, but I started. I was already having my second daughter at that time, and me and my daughter's mother was not doing very well, and I had to. I had I shut down, became very depressed, and I was like, what am I going to do, and who am I? I didn't know who I was when I was getting ready to get out of the military. But I don't think any of us do. When you talk no. about it, like guys would be like, I'm a recon marine or I'm yeah. a green beret. Well, and that's not a thing, man. That's that a does, thing you did. That's, that's not a thing you, you are. Did. That's not who you are, right? Exactly. But 99% of those dudes that are in right now, that's who. That's our identification. That's who they are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and you know what? When, when, that's when, when you're told Whether you ETS, exactly. like whether you quit... Like, because fucking, fucking ETS is quitting, right? <laughs> whether, whether you quit or you retire and you're forced to quit, you still have to deal with that identity crisis, which yes. is like, hey, I've wrapped up everything that I am in being this thing, doing this task, and now, who am I? Who am I? And that's, well, now you're just the same thing. You just sell t-shirts and fitness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we figured out a way we to sustain this... To moral echo chamber. You <laughs> the drug addiction. Continue being a narcissist. But yeah, that's that's where I was going with that was like having to identify yourself. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that. Well, and yeah. a lot of guys make up excuses, man. A Absolutely. lot of guys are going to say, well, that's not me, man. I'm a hero. I like, you know, I did this for my country. I'm like, man, I no get it. I, but those are motivations that are valid and good. But that's, that's, dude, none of us would, I mean, 
minus a very few select dudes, almost nobody's going to take on the amount of family suffering and being gone and stuff that you go through for country. For like a 15-year war, guys will do like, I mean, guys are going to do a year enlistment for country and they're going to figure <coughs> out that the army is all fucked up and that they don't care about you and that your paycheck doesn't right. ever come on time. And it's well, never quite I think what you going expected. back to the, the sociopathic tendencies, what you do is you find out the the benefits of that and then how do you leverage those benefits for each yep. part of your life so if that's family or mental health or whatever it is you know think about the pragmatic viewpoint and really being able to get into the weeds on stuff that a lot of us can do um, just because that's our personality trait and then apply that to like healthy living trying to work on your relationship etc cetera, etc cetera. which we can talk about later man because I, I honestly think that a lot of things that a lot of things like like going back to like the sociopathic tendencies thing, I think a lot of those manifest themselves more aggressively when you're not rested or you're not in a good routine. The negative Yeah, the negative aspects, aspects of yeah, it all too. For sure. So like especially when I mean, when we're really used to dealing with things directly, like, hey man, I've got a problem with you, Brent. You know what? Let's talk about it. You're a piece of shit and you make me angry. Yeah. Like we're gonna talk about it. We may actually get into a fist fight or something, but when it's over, we've usually addressed it. But that's not the normal way to deal with things. No, so it, uh, tell some quick stories. <laughs> uh, so my fiance has like no military experience through like family, friends, anything. And then I have hid a lot. Does she of love the knife hands you. when you get super demonstrative? Yeah, I don't think I do that. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not a very military student to begin with. Anyway, on my last deployment, one of my teammates and I got into a fist fight, and I kicked it off by headbutting him. And uh, I told her this. I was like, no, 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 like, we're still friends. You know, we got <laughs> Everything's cool. Like, I still talk to this dude all the time. He's in a different country right now. He still texts back and forth. Like, one of my good friends... We're closer now. (laughs) (laughs) But not even that we're closer. It went back to normal. Like, we got into a physical altercation over some dumb shit at work, like, fought each other, and then are right back to work. Like, oh, okay, that that was work. That's whatever. And back to that. And in the normal world, like, even on Wall Street, I'm going to guess, you don't see dudes that are like, fuck you, bro, and headbutt a dude, and then the next day, they're like, hey, what's up, man? You want to yeah. grab coffee for lunch? No, that shit, we had uh, a couple fights in the office, and usually those actually resulted in grudges that were held for, like, sustained periods of time. Yeah. Um, but they were also usually over some, like, really dumb shit, like, fuck you, you didn't follow the rules that I made up in this fantasy football league for trading. And it's like, <laughs> and then like two days later, some dude's like fucking tackling another guy as he goes to get a glass of water. Hey, don't worry, man. Um, the things we get in fights over are dumb too. Like a guy who stayed up all night and drank all the beer in a dry country. You know what I mean? It's like, we can't get any more beer yeah. for a week. Fuck you. You, you. you took but the I, last can of Cobra hanging. God damn it. But I think like you said earlier, you know, like we were, we're pragmatic in our approach, right? That would only, that would only be able to happen and you guys would have like a successful like relationship like a good friendship afterwards if you were able to be that there were other people like outside of this room well yeah they're not as pragmatic no, they realize not. like i headbutted this dude and he punched but, me in the face because yeah, we were yeah, emotional yeah, yeah, yeah. at that yeah, time absolutely and then yeah. you're also like aware which is for me i think in my mind it's almost like an out-of-body experience right you're looking third person like you're looking at everything kind of a, a bird's eye view everything that's going on you know whether it just be like like me myself you know george talking about when he got out when i got out I was a fucking absolute 
train wreck, right? Um, and making like a, just some unhealthy choices, whatever, you know. And, the right? <laughs> and it wasn't too much that. It just, I, I didn't, I wasn't self-aware, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I wasn't, and, it, and here's the thing, too, it's continuous, right? Because you're not, like, yes, you have your core traits of who you are, right? Like, you're the person, but you're not going to be the same person as you are, like, Monday, or you're going to be on a Friday, because of the outside circumstances that you're going to deal with that, you, you know, affect you, right? right? Whether it be how you took something or, you know, something alone in your family or whatever it may be, right? And just, but being able to recognize those things, I think that's part of like, yeah, we may have our sociopathic tendencies, but we're also, what keeps us from being fucking like locked up in a cage until they need us is the fact that like, you know, the good ones, I believe the good ones, um can have that balance right those in, in my mind yeah who knows man sometimes because i've everybody's seen it that dude that had a a long career as an operator and was like a super successful family man and then like the show's not over till it's over like who knows yeah. how long they're able to keep yeah. both afloat or yeah. if one melts down well, or if they just go hey man i gotta give them focus on the family yeah yeah and then also too like looking like you know the the perception versus reality game like well, yeah, it looks like, yeah, and it's a whole different conversation so, in itself. But not to put a kibosh on this, but we are literally coming to the end of a 30-minute podcast, which is difficult to comprehend since there's, like, fuel for this fire for another half hour. We can keep it we going. We can keep it rolling. Okay. You want to keep we, it rolling? We can do these as long as we want. All right, right on. I just wanted to make sure I was going to, like, wrap it up to a synopsis if we were going to end it, but I'm down. No, no we're going. Podcast goes out. We can leave it in. Just leave it in. It's fine. It's, up, literally, it's our first podcast, and I thought it was going to be second, second, second one. Second podcast. First one was an introductory. It was like a freebie. It was a freebie, I guess. <laughs> You're my freebie. The no, so, so back to the thing, perception is reality. And so in, especially a lot of us all are pretty pragmatic. And except for Doug, most of us will look at our buddies and go, well, what they do right? What they do wrong? And how do I do the right stuff? Yeah. Don't. Except for me. You said you can't learn from your buddies' mistakes. Well, no. I mean. You're like, I got to feel that, that sucks, yeah. dude. You did, you did say, say that. that. I did say that. You said that twice. Took the words right out of your mouth. And I'm not actually going to take it back because it's totally true. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I'll, I'll own it. Like, guess what? Like, being self-aware, like, brutally self-aware means that I look at it and go, hey, man, why has life been harder for me than for some of my friends? And a lot of that's because I'm like, I got this. <laughs> you know? Like, you pretty much is like saying, fuck your mistakes. Yep. I, they, they're not going to No, dude, your mistakes like, happen because you're a lesser that. human being, man. Like, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but. Dude, I've taken the MPD inventory, like when my wife and I were, you know, separated. She's like, "You're a narcissist," and I'm like, "No, I'm not. That's stupid." And I would then be like, mm, "She's right." And I yeah, get online yeah. and I take the yeah. inventory and I'd be like, "You know, like Woo! a Hollywood celebrity rates at this score," and I'm like, "Well, I'm way higher. That's good, right?" And then I'm like, "Oh shit, <laughs> way worse than a Hollywood celebrity, huh? That's uh, that's not good." I still have three bottle points. <laughs> 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 You gotta get there. Yeah. This says is even accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way higher than this. <laughs> I'm about myself way more than But I think it's worth noting that, <laughs> that a lot of the behaviors, especially like if you look at guys historically who've been rewarded in soft for their behavior, like they're not, they're a lot more Colonel Kurtz than they are, you know, clean. Dress right, dress. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, they take liberties, they take risks, they don't care about the rules necessarily, and in the end, because they were successful, people look at them and go, 
what is success? Which is how we're kind of programmed, which, which is why it's so funny to me that when guys screw up in the soft community, they get eaten alive. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's like zero fail mentality, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it's like, hey man, check this out. We want you to run fast and loose. We want you to do a lot of like very high risk things, but at the same time, we want you to behave like someone who doesn't exhibit any of the psychological traits that we selected you for. Roger. Yeah. <laughs> this is really confusing, Dad. <laughs> I don't know. But it's it's somewhat results-based until it's not for the military. Agreed. I mean, Which, look at the, Jim so Gant. Jim Gant's a great thing. example, man. Yeah. You know the Jim Gant story. No. Do we not want to talk about Jim Gant? No, we don't want to. Jim Gant's a great example. Anyway, okay, you so the Wall Street thing. <laughs> Go Wall Street. We're going to back out of the gym game. All right, we'll back out of it. Pull it so I, I walked, the first time I went into Aaron's office. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we can, it's not like he's Voldemort. We can talk about Jim Gant. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just got a laundry list of things you had to edit out. We're going to get back on. Yeah, go for your Wall Street thing. Sorry, man. Jim Gant was just a side road we decided to opt out of. We were area famine. Yeah, I fucking hate you. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, pistol. Yeah. The first time I go into Aaron's office, I walk in and there's a dude that's like got his shirt off <laughs> sitting at the trading desk and a bottle, it's like a handle, not like a little bottle, like a handle of Grey Goose and he's pouring it into a giant like big gulp of Mountain Dew. <laughs> What the fuck is this place? Like, yeah, pretty much like if dudes are good at their job, they don't give a shit what they do otherwise. It's like, all right, I can respect yeah. that. Yeah, man, results based. That's how I get a job. Heaven. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure that my <clears throat> my former boss was like somehow subconsciously, willfully ignoring reality. Be like, who drinks half a Coke and puts the can back in the fridge? <laughs> like, uh, like maybe the dude that's got the giant bottle of vodka like right under his desk over there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, and that guy was, you know, probably one of the more successful guys in our office. Yeah, actually. he was wasted. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna take these risks. So we're right? we're talking about but, high risk taking people, right? That yep. are, that are, but they're calculating. No, they they are, but you don't calculate but, risk yeah. well forever, right? And we also rarely consider how the risks we take interact with the people who aren't risk takers around us, which is one reason why I think SF guys or soft guys in general have a really hard time adapting to conventional, to working in concert with conventional military. Because like the, the I don't know if you've ever read the 48 Laws of Power or whatever, right? But like the first, like I think it's the first, it's been a long time since I read it, but one of the laws of power is never outshine their master. Yeah, but right? so I think that there's an important part to this. You know, you talk about calculating risk and taking risk. That's part of it. And miscalculating is obviously going to be part of it as yep. well. But that's I think, also going to help you, though. Yeah, but the second part is that when you miscalculate risk, how easily and quickly do you accept the reality of your situation, right? So, so we stay in front of our negative consequence curve? Well, no, but I'm right. saying there's, there's people that <laughs> when, when bad shit starts to happen... They either shut down or they like willfully ignore it. You know, like they won't accept the situation and they either, you know, purposefully make it worse or by doing nothing, they make it worse. You know, and then there's the people that can be like, all right, this is fucked up. What am I going to do to stop, you know, stop the bleeding, so to speak? Um, you know, it's a term we would use on Wall Street. It's like, holy shit, I just made a fucking huge mistake. The market's going against me. Like, fucking, I'm literally watching, like, money fucking come out of my account. And 
what's the first thing I need to do is just like fucking stop the bad shit from happening. Then I can reassess what I need to do to fucking get back and turn things around. Um, but you would see dudes that would fucking literally just freeze up or like, all right, I'm just going to give it like 10 minutes and wait for shit to turn around. And inevitably those are the guys that would fucking not be there the next day. So I think that <clears throat> it's funny. The term you guys use though is stop the bleeding. Yeah, it's right? the same shit. It's like, you know, it's, what happens when something fucked up happens, you know, in our job too. But we're still talking about it pragmatically. Weird. Like, but we're still talking about it pragmatically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're still stalking, like, a bunch of risk takers saying, hey, man, there are going to be mistakes that made, and sometimes you overstep your bounds, and consequences happen, and you got to deal with that, right? Like, you have to make another decision. Yeah, the second step is being able to deal with it. What I'm saying is the interaction with people that aren't willing to make decisions or people that make decisions on a more relaxed timetable, depending on how you've made your decisions – those people will crucify you. So, like, to say that this is a results-based thing until it's not, like, it doesn't really matter what your results are. If you give somebody an inch or you give them a thumb screw and they've been watching you just waiting for that one mistake, they'll crucify you over one thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter what your background is. So, like, that's one reason why acknowledging sociopathic tendencies and mitigating the ones that are negatively accepted, like, those, you have to be self-aware about that. Because if you're wandering around, like, if you're the best team in all of a, you know, in, say, CENTCOM, right? Like, hey, you're an entire, like, area of operations, and you're clearly the best team, but every day you roll in the chow hall wearing, like, cut-off shorts and, like, a tank top with your pistol freaking hanging out, like, 33-round bag in it loaded. And when the chow hall guy tells you to take your hat off, you're like, fuck you. Chow hall guy wears a hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Everybody in the chain of command is waiting for that one moment when you, like, do the wrong thing to be like, yep, there it is. Send those boys out of country. It doesn't matter what effect you're having or, you know, what your mission success rate is. They're like, those guys are a bunch of undisciplined cowboys. Well, that's just because you're dealing with that conventional mindset. But we all have a conventional mindset. Like, no, I'm I'm saying, like, we all have to deal with conventional mindset in our lives. Like, in real life, everybody who's a risk taker has to deal with the majority of society, which is normalizing regular mores that aren't ours. Right? That's true. That's very true. Um, yeah, I got nothing for that. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's it's a good... We have to start thinking about how to fit in there. It's the same thing as veterans for- transitioning and not knowing the lingo for how to convey what they did in the military mm-hmm. in the civilian terms. Mm-hmm. Like... When you come out, even when you're in your job as a risk taker, you have to be able to explain what you're doing to people who aren't as much about risk taking activity. Just because some dude, well, my example is going to be really crude, so I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I was like, I had forethought. But I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> Just because you're a dude who has unprotected sex with an intravenous drug user in a third world country doesn't mean that you're, you're also making. You know, like, that's not a good decision-making process. It's a risk-taking pro, like, a high-risk-taking behavioral pattern, right? So when you, those guys, there's dudes that do shit like that all the time and get away with it, right? But that's not the right decision to make. Just because, you know, you didn't get AIDS doesn't mean that you're making smart decisions. So you have to be like, just because a high-risk behavior didn't have negative consequences doesn't mean you should keep doing it, you know, like... I'm bulletproof. It's all good. Look at me. I washed myself with tap water. You know, like, didn't get AIDS. Well, I tell you, don't get AIDS. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Like, there's no negative consequence from that high-risk 
like mm-hmm. scenario or behavior that we just did, like of course they're gonna go back and do it again. Um, probably yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, so, yeah it's reinforcing. It's reinforcing, yeah. But so the, the the big question is like, how can guys use the you know kind of the kind of like benefits or the pros of those types of behaviors in getting out of the military? You know, in transitioning to the civilian world. Do you want to talk about them point by point? <clears throat> I mean, you have a good. Yeah. We're all, we have yeah. a, lot of guys, a lot of guys here who can probably fit yeah. along to that that are already out. And That's true. Um, I think to that pragmatic approach, and then apply it to even if it's an emotional thing, apply it to everything. That you do. Right. So even if it is com- something like applying it to compassion and realizing the value in compassion, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was developing a sense of empathy. Which I still huge. I'm still poor at. You don't have to have them. You just have to fake one. Well, no doubt. But, you, but that still means that you're exi- you're still exhibiting empathy. Right. Because if you have the ability to see to someone else's scenario and understand it, even if you feel like nothing, <laughs> even yeah. if you're like, yeah. man, this person sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you can, for the moment, put that aside and be like, yeah, man, I get it. Like, somebody drank all the milk and now you got to eat your cereal dry. It's a tough yeah. life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't say that with very much empathy, right? <laughs> but I got to like, yeah, man, I check it. I'm on my way to the store. I'm going to go buy a gallon of milk and uh, I'll take care of the problem. Just uh, delay breakfast 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, like, I got it. Yeah, um, my point's going to be the identifying who you are. Because if you can identify who you are, you can be able to come into the know yourself and seek self-improvement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's stuck with me ever, ever since I got it. And I'm still doing it to this day. It's continuous, <laughs> man. Every single day. Yep. I think you know you gotta better abs. Which I'm not about the pizza, I'm about to eat. You gotta use your critical thinking skills to be willing to you know attack problems from a new new you know point of view or new perspective. I think that you know it's it's strange to see people who have been trained to go into a situation and kind of you know survive or uh, succeed kind of at all costs and figure out ways to solve problems, it seems like sometimes come into the civilian world and just be like totally blinded and kind of like, shit, I don't know what to do. And I think that it's, you know, it really just comes down to relying on that same skill set and not thinking that just because you don't know something or someone else is doing something a certain way that you need, you need to learn that way or you can't do it a different way or it's stupid if you do it a different way. What I think a big problem guys have is they don't, and I was actually talking to uh, my sister and some other recent, more recent college grads about this, was there's, in the military, there's a roadmap for your MOS, right? If you're a whatever, in whatever service they tell you, you do this job and you want to make it to 04 or E9, whatever the rank is, you do these things, you'll probably get promoted. Right, and but you still haven't done shit the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but they tell you exactly what to do. Whereas if you if you're like, hey, I'm gonna go to college, and my end state goal is to be a CFO of a company that's doing X amount a year in business. What's the roadmap for that? There yeah. fucking isn't yeah. one, right? Like there's uh, no real roadmap. 
Well, yeah, I would I would disagree with that a little bit, but there's no exact um, like if there's you no do exact X, road. Y, and there's Z, no gonna get that is true. There is no. in the military, it's like if you're a black belt in karate <laughs> and you, and you shoot well and run fast, you're gonna be in charge. Can't forget to right. do twenty pull ups. Yeah, do twenty pull ups <laughs> and complete like your sharps training in a regular yeah, basis. Yes. Yeah. Like if you literally, if you do that shit and don't crash your car drunk, you're gonna get promoted. Right. All right. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I want to go back to, <laughs> to, I want to go back to the, to the critical thinking aspect of things, right? Like, thank you, you said it perfect. You're like, whenever the, you need to stop the bleeding, right? So that whatever happens, you start seeing money come out of your bank account. The best ones make it happen and make it stop right there and then, mm-hmm. right? The same exact thing I feel like the guy transitioning out of the military and start falling into that rhythm, they're bleeding. They need to stop the bleeding right away and realize how do we do this? Let's take away all the bad things that we're doing in our life right now to make this happen. Yeah. So it's not like this is a bad thing to have these traits because like we are talking about earlier, it's like stop the bleeding, right? So what we see is, hey, this is me. I own this. This is my situation. Something shitty just happened. It's on me. I got to own it. I got to make that split second decision. I got it. It might not be the right one, but... As long as it's above like 50%, it'll illuminate the other 50%, you know, 49%. It's 80%, I got an illumination on the other 20%. I can do the other 20%, you know, adjust, you know, fire, so to speak. And just be like, hey, this is who I am. I'm not gonna wait for somebody to tell me what to do. So I'm gonna own it, I'm gonna do it, because mm-hmm. I got this, because I believe in myself, because there's nobody better to do this than me. But me yeah. Because that's what a narcissist is. But exactly. But you're right. It's it's actually helpful, right? To feel that way. Because, I mean, some of the examples you gave earlier, it's like, you know, we're going to underfund you and overtask you. So who better than than a doer, right? Yep. Agreed. You know, we need starters and finishers. And that's That's that's, what we end up being. Yeah. And I think that's that freaks a lot of people out. A lot of the guys in the military going into the civilian world freaks them out because they don't understand that they can still do that in the civilian world. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think a lot of times, like going back to what you were talking about, just like well, critical thinking, that analysis, and then coming at like with being like uh, self-aware, right? Knowing who you are, where you came from, where you are now, where you want to be, and how you get there. You know, and like being able to translate. Like I, uh, like a month ago, I went up to Manhattan to do like a a residency board selection, right? And in there was like nine of us. There was nine dudes who went up there, or six dudes who went up there. You know, and only and only like one winner, right? Um, and most of the guys who did well, like usually you don't get invited back, right? There's only been two dudes who get invited back, myself, and then the guy who won this residency board. He was invited back as well. And the other guys where they fell short, really, in the interview process was. The, was their lack of ability to be able to do those things, you know? Like, know who they are, like, know that intel, feature, whatever, you know, and be able to uh, articulate, like, who they are. And you, which you only happen if you're, again, just self-aware, right? Like, that, yeah. that's it. And um, so, and I think that's where a lot of people just, like, I remember being in, in, in the recorded calls, like, TAPS class, at least when I left, right? And we were talking about, like, building resumes and all that shit, and the guy was, and the instructor asked, he was like, so what did you do, you know, in the Marine Corps? Well, I, I learned how to fucking kill people. And it's like, no dickhead. Like, you, there's other things like personal management, time management, whatever. 
But like you talked about, you know, with the MOS roadmap, whatever, you don't have to worry about. Like you don't even have to fucking think about what the hell is going on. You're told where to be, what to wear. You know, you're not always told why. But you know, all these other, all these other things. You know, you don't even have to fucking think about all this stuff. Then you get out, and it's like, oh, fuck. You know. So I, I think that's a huge, huge part of it. I mean, I think all of it's it's cumulative. I think we, I think one of the characteristics that's the hardest for us to deal with <clears throat> is that we are textbook, like as a textbook would say, sensitive to criticism, right? Mm-hmm. And that when we have a enlarged sense of self and we don't necessarily understand what that self is uh, or have a realistic perspective on how others perceive it, that we hear other people's criticism as you're a failure, right? And then that causes reactionary negative behavior. So I think another thing that contributes to self-awareness success continuum is to be able to receive criticism. And that doesn't mean that every criticism you get is valid. And that actually (laughs) taking every piece of criticism is valid is going to slow your decision-making process down and make you less effective. But being able to take criticism and put it through a sifter and be like, Hey, I know who I am and I know how I act. And And sometimes I know I act negatively to things like that criticism is valid. That criticism is not. And to take pieces of it to help you make yourself better as you move forward is really good. Well, I think, you know, combining criticism with the critical, you know, critical thinking and being willing to accept reality is the key to being able to make progress moving forward. Mm. You know, um, I think in, uh, like one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, Blank, you know, he talks about how this, uh, I think it was like a Marine colonel who was in charge of uh, like a tank, or, you know, armored brigade or whatever. Um, Can you tell the, that Aaron wasn't in the military? Right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, something. Is it some military thing? Right. He was in charge of some fucking armor. It's cool. Yeah, some guys I'm with tanks, with right? Um, he... He found himself down on the floor of the New York Board of Trade, I believe. I was really fascinated by what was going on in the trading pits. He brought a bunch of his officers down to the trading floor to watch what was happening. And then after the day of trading, they like participated in like a mock trading session with the traders. And as you might expect, like the you know, the military guys did not do well compared to the traders in the mock trading session. However, what was interesting was when they brought the traders over to compete in tank battles against the tank guys, after the first couple games, the traders started winning. And it's like, dude, how are these guys that fucking have done this twice kicking our ass on like this doctrine that we've been using for 10 years or whatever? And the whole thing was that, you know, you had these people who are willing, who were able to go in there with like a fresh set of eyes, look at what was happening, you know, where analyze the weak spots, which obviously the tank guys weren't able to do effectively, right? They, they had entrenched and dogmatic yeah, doctrinal views. Exactly. So I think that, you know, using that as a strength, especially when getting out and, you know, being able to problem solve situations from, you know, a new paradigm is, uh, is an incredible value. I agree, and I think that the military, especially soft in general, attracts some of the brightest, most agile minds of our time. Like, I mean, I value my time on the teams 
I mean, I cannot think of seal teams <laughs> on ODA. <laughs> I value my time. I, I look at other career fields. I look at my other friends' job satisfaction and the things that they're doing. And I think like there's absolutely nothing I can do or a group of people that I could surround myself with that is at this level that, you know, that I find as much satisfaction from that I think are performing at such a high level of success. And I know that like there are failings amongst us internally that make life difficult. I mean, it's why, I mean, we can blame a high op tempo, an operational tempo as the cause for divorce in, you know, in soft. But I mean, I think that a lot of that falls back on us and we put our priorities on work, not on our relationships. And that that's, that's the problem, not necessarily a high operational mm-hmm. tempo. Picking your spouse, man, that's a big thing because your spouse has to be able to adjust to the fact that you're here for a while and gone for a long time. You gotta ops check them. And a lot of the time, like, <laughs> a lot of the time, uh, you know, Mary Jane Roddenkrotch down at uh, Secrets Cabaret seems like a really good marriage pick when you're young and you're like, yeah, dude, super hot. There's I'm gonna get her. Named Marriott Secrets Cabaret right now. It's like fuck you. Unfollow. But I mean, I shouldn't have got that diamond thing done. That's another thing. Was <laughs> <laughs> it on her hand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, though, that like the decision-making process, the risk-taking behaviors that led us to marry someone who may not have been the right choice for someone who's gone all the time also contribute to the fact that when you're gone all the time and they express their concern or take actions, you know, like, because they're lonely or whatever, you're like, hey, man, that's cool. I don't need you anyway. Like, we're emotionally I'm not involved. I'm BAH anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I only married her for BH. And, uh, you know, she only married me for TRICARE. <laughs> The point is housing allowance and healthcare for everybody not in the mill. The the point the point there is though that like <clears throat> I feel like we have to have some level like once again coming back to the self awareness portion of this where you say check it out this is a really high functioning group of dudes who are brought together through a very strenuous selection process and are held together through a very high demanding job. And loose set of morals. A, well, a loose set of rules, right? The, the funny thing is, like, the rules that we complain about the most are almost always in retrospect. Like, when you read the rules and they're like, all right, guys, you got to do this thing. And this thing <coughs> reads the most ridiculous rule you've ever heard. And the guy who's reading the rules is like, trust me, the only reason I'm saying this is because it's happened, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and you're like, who would do something stupid like that? And guys never look around like, yeah, I probably would have done that if you hadn't said it. You know what I mean? This like is the safety brief because this <laughs> happened already. We showed up to a Pantera training center in Moorfield, West Virginia, and we get the brief of like the lay of the compound. And they're like, look, when you go out in town, we're really familiar with local law enforcement. You can do anything except light a building on fire. And we did that, we're like, why would you say we can't light a building on fire? Like, the last class had dudes that lit a building on fire. <laughs> Just don't light anything on fire and they get you out of trouble. But I mean, like, guys fire. resent those rules, man. You know, it's like, I know in 2000... Yeah, like, what the fuck? I can't light a building on fire? 2009, when McChrystal brought his new his new <laughs> ROE in in Afghanistan, and everybody was like, this, this is the dumbest song. thing ever. And you're like, hey, man, I get it. Like, you're trying to force people to build rapport and treat Afghans as humans instead of just targets. 
I, I understand your purpose. But they are targets. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that out. George is going to get He gets his first edit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, the thing is, guys resented it. They're like, why can't I wear sunglasses? And, you know, why do we have to drive 35 miles an hour and be a target for IEDs? And it's like, hey, it's because people drove like assholes. Why did you have to do that? Oh, 2009, man. It's crazy. Nobody did it, but it was... I should probably not say that out loud. I was there in 2010. Like, we had no... They relaxed. So, like, as soon as McChrystal got fired for, I guess, trying to usurp the President of the United States or whatever it was that happened there, Uh, it was like the rules went back to how they were, but... Yeah. Yeah, They're done. The, uh, well, I think the Marines have always, the Marines have always fought, right? Isn't that why you guys get down in Afghanistan the first time? (laughs) 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 Those guys were all my RIP instructors. (laughs) Hey, uh, hey, first tour to Afghanistan, we're going to take a long trip around Route 1 and shoot anything that moves. It's cool. We ran out of ammo, so I mean, it's not gonna lie. Take him outside the bomb gate. Shoot him inside the bomb gate. Ta ta ta. I mean, I know, I know, like that's I guess the rules that we just talked burned about. all of our sock bridges in one fucking. Yeah. Set. yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I'm proud of you, man. You didn't miss a single one. <laughs> Marksmanship on fleek. Come on. Next <laughs> generation kill. <laughs> and I, worked, I worked with dice. It was a good fucking Captain show. Captain America. Uh-huh. Worked with them. Yeah, literally. Yeah, we're on the same uh, PTSD. So I mean, like yeah. the thing is, hey, coming back full circle, what we're talking about, like a lot of the characteristics that that you know, if, if you and I were in college and we were like, hey man, I'm a narcissist with sociopathic tendencies. People would be like, oh, what? God. And then they would search for reasons. People in colleges do that when they see us. Well, they search for reasons to prove we're wrong, man. I talk to people all the time. And like, I'm like, hey, man, these are problems that I have. These are things that like have manifested themselves in my relationships and the choices I make in my life. And uh, they're like, no, no, no. A sociopath feels no empathy. You feel empathy. I'm like, yeah, I've learned to feel empathy because my wife yelled at me constantly about how I had no empathy. Like a dog. Yeah, I mean, it was true. She had a rolled up newspaper and she would constantly <laughs> hit me with it. You're like, no, no, bad dog. And um, I mean, like, the, she's not wrong. And I mean, I see it in a lot of my friends. And uh, dude, I mean, like, some guys learn, some guys don't. Not everybody demonstrates these tendencies. Some people demonstrate them in different ways. On I mean, it's it's a continuum, right? Kind of like uh, Jake's homosexuality. He's he's really it's not hard. always totally gay. Hey, but like we talked about, you know, just, just learning, learning. I'm just learning to cope with it, deal with, you know, identify as who I am, and you know, yeah. just making progress. And then say, just, say we're all on the spectrum somewhere, right? Everybody's kind of gay. Some people have held in their right. mouths, and some dudes have. <laughs> some guys have never seen one up close. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it Nick that was like hey, you can't change the rules now? <laughs> no, it's not fair. <laughs> oh man. Are we either gonna have a great following from the gay community or they're gonna burn us down? <laughs> I mean, dude, it's the twenty first century, man. I think that as as a company we we have somehow managed to collate a lot of really left-leaning guys socially. So I feel like we're probably okay. We might say some things that sound like dinosaurs, but in the end, like, we're all dicks. We're we're like South Park, man. We're equal opportunity offenders. Yeah, exactly. We're all about it, but we still say it, though. Yeah, man, you can do anything you want. And sometimes I make jokes that are uncomfortable. But that's because I lack empathy. (laughs) All right, so in summary... Uh, in summary, I, I would say that 
there's a lot of these characteristics of, of a sociopath that are manifested in not just soft, but in a lot of other high risk, high reward jobs. And that because of the nature of those jobs, these tendencies are rewarded yeah. um, within those jobs. And the real challenge for people in those jobs is adapting those things that make them a success professionally into their personal life. So, you know, when we sit around and you're looking at a guy who like may have PTSD or a lot of issues and he self-medicates with alcohol and stuff like that, and you're like, hey man, you were an asshole before you went to combat. You just never learned to deal with these personality traits like and drinking a lot and making them worse is probably not the solution. You probably need to step back, evaluate yourself, like say, do do like a, a total body off renovation, man. Pull the body off the car, work on the engine. Don't just be like, all right, we're gonna buff this bitch up and drive it for another ten thousand miles. You know, like it's it's not gonna fix itself. You don't like start your car one day, hear a knocking in the engine, pour a little extra oil in and go, ah, that fixed it. We're good. <laughs> you know? like, I knew plenty of people. But eventually your car burns. Uh, we've all tried, yes. Yes, we've all tried. <laughs> So, and eventually your car or life burns to the ground. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, some of us, like, because of those same tendencies, like, we have an uncanny ability to build from the ashes. So, like, the question is, do you take the lessons you learned and build from them, or do you just keep burning the next car to the ground, you know? I mean, in, Doug's case, in Doug's case, Dougie doesn't keep burning them down to the ground. No, man, I'm just good. Dude, I've been driving the same car for, like, a while now. It's About all right. Year. It's comfortable. The seats are broken in. It's all right. I don't want to drive another car. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Let's wrap it up. Cool. Thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. It was awesome.